We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. LaVert. A step back three by LaVert. And the Pacers lead by five. But it's what, what, what is uh, Sabonis. Okay. Well, everybody, the trade deadline has come and gone, and we are here to talk about that right here on Setting the Pace. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Woo, Alex, it was a wild day today. I feel like it started, maybe that first trade happened at maybe like 11 a.m., and it truly went all the way through the end of the deadline. Uh, it was nonstop madness today. Kind of felt like a lot of the guys we talked about for the Pacers maybe able going to go out and get were traded today. Um which was interesting to see as well, just because I feel like there was a group of guys we knew that were more than likely going to be dealt. Kyle Lowry was the big name that did not get moved, but um, out of all the moves that you did see today, Fachi, which move do you think was the biggest or which move did you like the most for, um, for this upcoming season and for maybe the future from what some of these teams did? Well, obviously, I think the big move of the day was the Vucevic deal. I feel like that was the big deal. You know, Vucevic going over to the Bulls, uh, two first-round picks, Wendell Carter, uh, the um, what's called the, the Magic, also threw in your boy Al Farouk Aminu yep. in that deal. My so, boy, all the Magic uh, players are my boy, I guess. All of them, except for the one boy. I mean, obviously, outside of Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, the, the lone. I love Terrence Ross. The, I know, but the lone Magic. I mean, you had me <laughs> calling for Terrence Ross today. I mean, I think Pacer Nation was calling for Terrence Ross today because it was a true fire sale by the Orlando Magic. Everything yeah. must go. No, it really was. I think that was a great trade for Orlando. Um, getting Wendell Carter and two first-round picks for Vucevic, like, okay, I, Vucevic is good, and he's um, he's a guy that I think is a little bit underrated. But at the same time, like, Wendell Carter Jr. is a guy that I still think has potential. So do I. 
I think getting two first-round picks, like, look, this thing in Chicago, I mean, even though they got Vucevic, I don't look at this team and think, oh, they're going to make the playoffs this year. Like, it's still up in the air. So you're talking Orlando could get a lottery pick this year. And if things, you know, I mean, the Eastern Conference isn't going to get any easier. No. So I, I, I liked I liked that move, but it wasn't my favorite. I think the move that I liked the most, honestly, was Aaron Gordon going to the Denver Nuggets. It was a very cool move for the Nuggets. Yeah. Well, and the thing is to me, like Gary Harris was somebody they were trying to get off of. So you don't even really have to worry about that. Now, everybody kept saying RJ Hampton in a first-round pick from the Nuggets is really good value for Aaron Gordon, and I kind of thought that was interesting only because, to me, like, sure, RJ Hampton might be a decent player. Could be. um, But they've already got kind of a point guard logjam right there with Markel Fultz and uh, Anthony that they drafted, Cole Anthony, last year from North Carolina. So I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, you know, and a first-round pick from the Nuggets is going to be in, the like, the back five, back Uh... ten. Well, how about this? It's a 2025 protected first-round pick. Gotcha. That's what tipped the scale for me. Okay. Yeah, because, see, I was I was so busy with work, I was only kind of seeing little in, intricates of the details, so I didn't see, like, everything. I think I just saw first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But still, 2025, like, I, I think that I think Denver, with Jokic on their roster in four years, they're still going to be probably pretty good. So not, not a great pick to me, maybe, yeah. if Jokic leaves, but whatever. I just think – Aaron Gordon is basically that gap filler for, for Jeremy Grant. I don't know if he's as good as Jeremy Grant. Probably not, but I think that he has some more athleticism. There's some different things they can do with him. I just think that seeing lob passes from Jokic to Gordon is going to be so much fun. And uh, I think the best part of the whole entire day was seeing Boston, the Boston Celtics, just completely strike out to me personally. Oh, yeah. Evan Fournier for their trade exception. They turned, they turned down Miles Turner. Doug McDermott and a first round pick to create a trade exception so they could go sign Tristan Thompson and trade for Evan Fournier. Like Evan Fournier is a a decent player, but like what they need is Miles Turner and they could definitely use Doug McDermott. You know, I think McDermott's like a cheaper version of, of Fournier. I think Fournier is better than McDermott, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's a $10 million difference in contracts. So I I, I loved it. They traded Daniel Tice, who's probably their best center all season long. For Mo Wagner, I said that didn't make much sense. If you're an IU fan and you want Brad Stevens, (laughs) they might have just set themselves up to get bounced in the first round. (laughs) And this organization has already made it very clear through rumors that these guys could be on the hot seat. So I'm just saying, like, this is a good day for IU basketball. uh, If you're wanting Brad Stevens to leave the Celtics (laughs) if he gets fired, but anyway, I digress. Obviously, I think Chicago, though, Fachi, that trade does impact the Pacers more because yes. they are now a they're a central division rival. They're right there with us, neck and neck for the playoff race, and they got better. Overall, they got a lot better. Well, there was a moment where I started seeing everybody around us getting better. I mean, the Celtics, by getting 48, yes, you get better. Then the Bulls, I mean, they got better on that deal. I mean, even the Hawks, Rondo was barely even playing for them. He's kind they of did not get better by getting Lou Williams. I'm sorry. Uh, Rondo has not been contributing Lou this Lou Williams year. has been absolutely awful in the playoffs the last in the couple play- of years. Well, a couple of years ago, he was good. Look, it, it, we can't, at this point in his career, he's not what he used uh, no, to No, that do. trade is a wash to me. That trade, both guys are past their prime. It's a nothing trade to me. I give Lou Williams uh, the edge there at this point. Rondo. No, 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 no. Rondo will be more impactful in the playoffs. Look what he did last year for the Lakers. I think that he's going to have a big role leadership-wise with Kawhi and PG. They needed a true point guard. 
Patrick Beverly, even though I really like him as a, as a, you know, a tough nosed player, uh, Rondo is somebody that was pretty good last year for the Lakers. And he hit the three ball. Well, and he can actually play defense, you know, no, he, he, playoff Rondo is a real thing, man. That's what it's all about. It, it, Williams it is a real Williams thing. is all, I'm not gonna say it's awful, Dude, but Rondo is averaging 3.9 points per game this year. I'm not even saying the Hawks no, and, and Rondo was not a good fit. But yeah, I'm I mean, saying, he just, he's been banged up, and I, I just – I don't know. I, he's I think, not great, but you're acting like Lou Williams is somebody that's good. He's not. Lou Williams is not a good basketball player at this point in his career. He's fine. He's okay. He's average, but he's not, like, good. He's not changing the trajectory of the Atlanta Hawks. Either was Rondo. No, I mean, that's they, why he they got also, traded. They also, they also got picks in, in that well, You're acting like all these teams got better around us. That's what I'm saying. And then you come I, out – I think that the Hawks left better oh, after I that deal. Okay, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> I, I, anyway. I think that it was a move that didn't matter. I don't think oh. it changes the trajectory one bit. All right, well, there's plenty of other deals to go through here. <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there really is. The, the Sixers, they got they got Ooh, George Hill. Yeah, I like I mean, that. that. See, here's where, like, look, and I'm sure these are the same names but uh, that everybody talked about, but we talked about George Hill and Bielitsa would be available. Yep. And George Hill went to the 76ers over there. I like that move for them. You know, he, he's reunited with Dan Burke over there. And then also, you know, at the end of the day, we saw the Miami Heat made some moves. Uh, they got Bielitsa, and then they got it. Yes, the, the pairing that it, it sounded like it was destined to happen. Victor Oladipo is officially a Miami Heat at the end of the day. All I got to do is sit here and just look back at this trade proposal that was accepted by the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo. It is um, Kelly Olenek, Avery, Avery Bradley. Who's falling off a cliff. Who might get bought be. out. Yeah. In a pick swap? It's disgusting. It actually a freaks pick swap? me out. It the- freaks me out even hearing it back. This is James Harden that was dealt here. You know, and it's so hilarious. Like, they could have legit had Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not even saying, like, I love Karis and I love Jared Allen, what he's doing in Cleveland. But I'm just – they're not guys that are going to change the trajectory of a team from, you know, trading James Harden. Like, you're not going to get those two guys and feel like you're about to go start competing. They thought they could get more for Victor Oladipo than they could for Karis LeVert, which I just find hysterical. Do they not see the trade market for Victor before the season started? Since getting rid of Daryl Morey, Houston is a complete joke. I'm oh sorry. God, their their front office is absolutely hysterical. And I, I want to get into the whole side of things for Victor with Miami now, but what would the Pacers got? Karis LeVert and two second round picks for Victor Oladipo compared to what the Rockets got. That is your slam dunk trade deadline move the Pacers had to make. They made it two months earlier because they didn't want to have their backs pushed up against the wall being forced to make a terrible trade just to get off the contract. No, they made the right move. I mean, if I was the Rockets and that was the only deal I could get, I would have held on to Vic and I would have tried to work out a sign and trade with him because that trade offer was absolutely laughable. I need to know how sweaty was the Rockets front office because time was ticking and that's the best deal that they got. I mean, a couple of days ago, we heard it was rumored that they were literally trying to get Aaron Gordon for Victor oh, Oladipo. And it went from Aaron Gordon, and they were hoping also, you know, whether the Rockets were going to have to include a pick, whatever it was. The, the rumors were the Rocket, the Rockets' asking price for Oladipo was a first-round pick and a player. And you walked away with Kelly Olynyk 
and Avery Bradley. And yeah. I, I think it is just gross. No, so, I mean, Kelly Olenek, he's been starting for the Heat because not, not a bad he's, player, but he's been their player. best option next to Bam. But it's just like, what are they doing? Like, this is this Rockets team is laughable. Kelly Olenek will not last their past season. So basically, <laughs> they traded Oladipo. They basically traded James Harden for Rodians Kuruks, Dante Exum, and a pick swap. I mean, it's, it's what that is the worst package. I mean, I guess I got another pick from Milwaukee, but still yeah, like their picks are terrible. They're horrible. That's picks. the worst. That's the worst I can ever imagine for a superstar level player MVP candidate return. That is an awful trade package return, but let's get into this whole thing with Miami because the Pacers play in Miami Wednesday mm-hmm. um, in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Victor Oladipo. Will he make his return, Fachi? Will he make his return against the Pacers, or will he sit it out? I would like to see that he makes his return. And the only thing that's going to be rough is that there's not enough of a crowd there. You know, I would have loved some riled-up Pacer fans saying, you know, we knew this is what you wanted all along. Like, well, you got it, but now you got to deal with us. I would have loved a fired-up crowd in Indiana just – you know, not to say really giving it to him, but just kind of really being behind the Pacers and, and seeing, you know, that all along, we weren't lying to ourselves. Like, this is, we saw this. I mean, there was videos of Vic, you know, you, it was obvious he wanted to be there. And then in the end, he got his wish. And you know what? Hey, great. Be happy over there because we're going to be very happy with Karis LeVert. So thank you very much. April Fool's, um, April 1st. Following that Pacers game against the Heat, uh, the Heat do play Golden State on a Thursday night. So we have seen Vic sit out the front half of a back-to-back before. Would not surprise me if he decided to not play in Indianapolis just because he doesn't want to deal Mm -hmm. with all of that pressure. But, hey, you never know. I'm not saying he won't, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be be fun. And I, uh, I put a tweet out with the Pacers moving on from Jalen LeCue, waving his contract. Now they have a roster spot available. I said, hey, let's sign Lance Stevenson to a 10-day contract, see if he can come in here and provide a little bit of energy, whether he plays or not, just being in the building, being around the team, and uh, just being present for that Heat game because there would be nothing more exciting than to see him and maybe Udonis Haslam get into it, even though UD is not <laughs> even playing anymore. Uh, just see him like come into the game and then Lance come into the game at the end of the game if it's a blowout or something and just see like a full-out rivalry start back up. I mean, that's, that's what is – a fan, like I, you know, I'm oh, a fan. Yeah. I would just love to see Lance back just for a 10 day contract. It would be electric. It really would. That's must see TV in my mind. And and it's just, I know there would only be a very very limited, you know, amount of fans, you know, in the building. But I just think that they would be extra loud for Lance returning in that moment. Oh yeah, I mean, it's uh, Lance Stevenson is a, a special player, and uh, he has a special place in a lot of Pacer fans' hearts, and so. Anyway, Fachi, looking at the standings here, we got a game lead on Chicago. We're a half game behind Boston, a game and a half behind New York and Atlanta and Miami, and then just two games back of Charlotte for the four seed. So I I think this team's in good position. No reason to, I guess, overreact and make make a bad trade or just make a trade to make a trade. We knew the Pacers, and we've seen it from the past uh Kevin Pritchard era like they don't make a lot of moves around the deadline if they do they're very minor they're more of an off-season team kind of uh heavy transaction wise on that if they do make a lot of moves it'll be in the off-season because I think it's easier to go about moving players in my opinion and 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 quite frankly like 
I think if the Pacers got into that four or five seed, I think that that'd be ideal for them. They're only two games back, like I said, of four. So it's uh, it's just one of those things where this month has been tough, but I think the upcoming month, the upcoming games really gives the Pacers a little bit of a chance to try to right the ship for some bad play in, in February and March and, and get back on the winning track because we've got three games left this month, Mavericks, Wizards, and Heat. If we can win two out of those three, I think we're in good shape. Oh, we are in good shape at that point. I mean, just sum it up this way. The Pacers are four and three since Karis LeVert has made his return. Yeah. Okay. Those three losses, you're talking about the Nuggets, the Nets, and the Bucks. Those are three really good teams. I mean, in that Bucks game, I mean, that's a that's a wash right there where when you're missing, you know, you're missing Miles Turner, you're missing Brogdon. I mean, yeah, you're missing Brogdon, you're missing TJ Warren. Sure, I get it. Giannis wasn't there. Still, Pacers aren't gonna win that game. I get it. Uh, the Bucs are on fire right now. But when you're looking at the schedule coming up, you play the Mavericks. Hey, that, that's a 50-50 game. It could go either way right there. You can beat Washington. Then you have that Miami game. And I think that that means a lot. After that, you're talking about Charlotte. I mean, you play the Bulls shortly after that and San Antonio in between. These are winnable, crucial games that, Alex, it sounds nuts because the Pacers are in the ninth seed now. But a week from now, you go on a winning streak they could be in fifth. They really could. Yeah. I mean, we just saw the Hawks just slid down like three spots last night in a loss. So, I mean, things are happening pretty quick uh, that this team could be getting back on track soon. Look, are you going to be completely inspired by a, yeah, almost a last-second win against Detroit? No. But I am inspired in what I saw out of Karis LeVert because this is a guy that, just like we talked about, started to shake off the rust, get it out of here, and and just let the shots fly. And lately, he's looked good from three. I like what I'm seeing. No, I, I do too. And it'll be interesting to see um, how this team comes together. I think the rotation right now is kind of set um, unless something happens with uh, an injury or whatever because Aaron Holiday right now is the 11th man. And I think that's someone, someone we should bring up real quick and talk about mm-hmm. because he is somebody that a lot of Pacer fans – we're anticipating could be moved. And I saw Mark Monteith, former writer for Pacers.com, and I think he actually covered the Pacers for the Indy Star uh, in the early 2000s and maybe even some in the 90s. I mean, he's done cover the Pacers for like 40, 50 years, whatever it's been. But um, he threw out that the Pacers should trade Aaron Holiday for a second-round pick. And, oh, I saw that. you know, it, it, that might have been what his value was around the league. I mean, fair to say it, sure. But, I mean, only thing it would have done is it would have kept you from waving Jalen LeCue and who cares at that point? I mean, I don't even think like is part of this future, obviously. So that that didn't matter. But I think you have got to value your players, your first round picks more than a second round pick. I wouldn't sell low on Aaron right now. No. I would I would hold on to him and maybe try to package him in the summer. See what you can get. Because quite frankly, like Aaron Holiday is like 23, 24 years old. He's still got plenty of basketball left in him. Of course. And, and there's been a reason why teams were calling about him the last couple of years. I, I just think... Indiana had to be smart. If there was a first-round trade or a first-round pick on the table, I think they would have taken it. So I think that goes to show that the offers weren't coming in like they were hoping for. It was clear that that's what they were asking for based on some of the reporting we saw. And, you know, it, it's, it stinks that he's not in the rotation, but if he gets an opportunity to come back into it, uh, he's got to make the most of it and get that value back up. So um, what were your thoughts on the Pacers not moving on from Aaron Holiday? Here's the thing. I saw that I saw that Mark Monteith tweet, and and I disagreed because look, the Pacers already have more second round picks than what they even know to do with, 
And I think that you don't need to trade Aaron Holiday for one. I wouldn't have even traded him for two second round picks because what does that really do for us? I mean, are the Pacers really going to be able to package four to six second round picks and, and make something meaningful out of it? It's like, who wants that many second round picks? So I just feel like at this point, Aaron Holiday's value, unfortunately, it's never been lower to the point where you don't want to panic and, and, and just trade him just to trade him. Maybe he can, you know, work on his game in, in the offseason. Maybe, like you said, they revisit that. Maybe he ends up just finding his way back in the rotation. God forbid, you never want an injury to happen to anybody. But if it happens at a, at a guard spot, I'd be happy knowing that Aaron Holiday is coming off the bench rather than, you know, being like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? You know, oh, and like I would rather have Aaron Holiday over Jalen LeCue any day of the week. So I'm glad that if it came down to, hey, you know, we're kind of loaded at, at the point guard spot, you know, we got to make a move here. I think the Pacers made the right move because by getting rid of Jalen McHugh, sure, you had to buy him out. Who knows how much money, you know, maybe the Pacers just completely bought him out because it's only about $1.5 He was owed per year. But now having that extra roster spot, Alex, that had me jacked up. At that point, when that happened at roughly 3 o'clock, I told myself, I think I'm done working for today because – this is endless options of who the Pacers can get. And we can get someone now that can contribute right away. And the last few episodes we've been on here, that's what I've really been calling for is between Keelan Martin and Jay LeCue, they're just not ready yet to contribute. And there are guys on that buyout market that can be ready to contribute right away. And if you think about it from a while back, when the Pacers made that Wesley Matthews signing, I yeah. thought that was such a great low risk, you know, hey, bring him on. And, and he was good for us. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to say this real quick. Like, let me ask you this question. Are you surprised that it wasn't Keelan Martin that was waived, but Jalen LeCue? I, I wasn't just because I felt like at least Keelan Martin had NBA experience I feel but but like, it's about the money for me because yes, they make the yeah. same amount. Keelan's only due for this this season, where Jalen has two more years after this deal. So that's more money on the books for later, I guess, when you waive a player. So I, I, that was my big question. Like, if both guys aren't part of the future, uh, why not just cut the one that's going to drop off the books anyways at the end of the season? In, in my opinion, I just thought we were deeper at point guard. I just, I, to be honest, I don't think Jalen McHugh's an NBA player. Is he a point guard? Jalen McHugh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure don't play like one. Uh, no, sure. no, it doesn't, but, but, but he is one, you know. I mean, Keelan Martin, I, I thought, like, look, it hasn't worked out in, in Indiana, but, like, I mean, he hasn't really got much playing time, but still. But, like, you know, he could play a 2-3 right over there. Like, I, I at least feel like he can potentially maybe fit on another team. Jalen LeCue, to be honest, I don't know if he really plays in the NBA. If Jalen LeCue is a point guard, then I can tell people I'm in shape. You know, I mean, I'm overweight and I'm round, but I'm in shape. Okay, so that's that's all I got to say. It's like this this guy has got to go. I mean, this This sums it up. The other day I mentioned to you, Jalen LeCue got into the game against the Bucks. He played three minutes and 21 seconds, and he managed to go 0 for 5. I didn't know if it was possible. That's like every time he physically touched the ball, he shot it and missed it. Uh, It's just too much. That's a guy who said, I haven't played in two months. The second I get the ball, I'm jacking it up. It it reminds me of former Pacer Gerald Green. We called him Chuckum when he came in the game. I know know Michael Grady started that on his radio show here in Indianapolis. He's like, "Ah, I'm calling him Chuckum. 
And uh, he wouldn't even call him Gerald Green. I mean, Jalen McHugh literally took that from him <laughs> and ran with yep. it. Like that dude was a massive chucker. But um, I think when it comes to buyout candidates, Vachi, you made a great point um, by, by moving on from him in the Wesley Matthews whole situation. Because look, what was the thing that brought Wesley Matthews here? An opportunity to start. Mm-hmm. T.J. Warren is more than likely not going to be back until close to playoff time. And at that point, do you really want to put him in the starting lineup and play him a bunch of minutes? Probably not. Might be smart to kind of bring him off the bench and let him kind of just work his way back into that rotation. So I think there's one player that makes a lot of sense that could be a starter and would help the rotations with putting Justin back on the bench. That is Otto Porter Jr. who Mm -hmm. got dealt to the Magic. I think that they're obviously in rebuild mode. I don't really know what the long-term future is for him, but if they could possibly buy him out, I've... Just in, Alex. I just got this. A sham notification. Oh. TJ Warren as out for the rest of the season. Yep. Just happened this second. Yep. Okay, I got it too. So there we go. This is why they opened up that roster spot. Uh, <laughs> Otto Porter Jr. makes so much sense now. Um, wow. I, I Yeah, that's a big bummer, but I'm actually kind of glad about it because I didn't want him to rush back. So the perfect timing to talk about that, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It was actually to the exact second when you said TJ Warren could come off the bench. So pretty weird how that worked out. But <laughs> well, also, just like when you mentioned right over here, I mean, now, aside from that, it allows us to not like keep speculating. Is it going to be May? Is it going to be late April? Like, just wait until TJ Warren. We can at least shut the book and just say, let's get this guy well-rested and, and get him back 100%. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a major blow. The Pacers just announced it two minutes ago. Um, yeah, so that that's not good. But at the same time, it's a, it's a bit of a letdown. I think this team right now will never get to see them fully healthy, and um, that 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 goes into all of our thoughts on how the Pacers will attack this offseason. But that's for another day. That's why I think without him, you can go out and maybe get a guy like Otto Porter Jr. Back to what I was saying, just because he kind of fits that bill of that small forward that you need, and whether he starts or comes off the bench. He's going to have guaranteed minutes because clearly the Pacers need someone that can guard bigger wings, and I think that he could help. But, yeah, this this definitely opens up a spot, and maybe it even opens up two spots now if you put him on IR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can get two spots out of this, I think that the, would be really I wonder how that works. I don't know if it's like the football or like the NFL where you can where you can put someone on IR and get another roster spot. I know they can get injury exceptions for, like, contracts. So maybe I, want to say that, I want to say that deadline expired. Did it already? See, I'm, I think it did. there's so many different. It's tricky. Uh, it's a tricky contract situation. situations. Yes, yeah, situations uh, with contracts when it comes to the NBA. But anyway, I just think getting the guy that you can guarantee minutes that that would be huge. Like obviously, like the big names, Andre Drummond and Lamarcus Aldridge, they don't make any sense for the Pacers to me. It's not gonna happen, especially if they're wanting big minutes. Like no, and you really don't want to stunt the growth of Gogo Batadze with what little time he's getting so yeah to me it's got to be a wing player and right now Otto Porter's the only one that I really think could be bought out that makes some sense so yeah I mean I'll keep my eye on it and uh just because former Pacers we love them Glenn Robinson the third and Lance oh, yeah. Stevenson just gotta keep an eye on it but but I don't think Scott Agnes really agreed with your Glenn Robinson uh thoughts when he we're talking. didn't he, he was pretty, pretty anti-GR3 I was I was kind of surprised I mean I think he said the relationship was a little bit sour yeah, he did, but I mean, Glenn. Look, I follow him on on Instagram. You know, he's got a he, he does like a, he doesn't have a personal Instagram, but he has like a foundation for um, like single fathers and stuff like that. He always posts on there, and he he just seems like a great guy who's from Indiana, played on the Pacers. He's obviously looking for work. 
I mean, a three and D guy, I mean, fits kind of what we could use. And uh, come on, what, he's not going to jump at the opportunity of called upon? Like, he definitely would. And yeah. I think right now, I put together a small list. And who knows if this is even going to happen. But okay, I, tried hit to me. Be, I tried to be realistic. There's no LaMarcus Aldridge on this list. But in no order, you got Lance Stevenson. You got Otto Porter. Wayne Ellington could be yeah. bought out. Wayne Ellington, not a bad player at all. I mean, good three-point shooter. Talking 43% this year. Uh, then you've got, which all the fans have been talking about for quite some time, and I don't know if he even plays this year, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Glenn Robinson the third. That's my list of potential guys, and I, I truly do think that the Pacers will be looking at those type of guys. It's just I do think that Otto Porter could have a solid buyout market. Okay, one more time, read through those names so I can make sure I'm really listening to you. Sure thing. We got Lance Stevenson, Otto Porter, Wayne Ellington, Rondé, Hollis Jefferson, and Glenn Robinson III. Yeah, I, I think RHJ makes some sense, but, I mean, he could have been had a long time ago, so I, I don't think that they're I don't that think interested. he plays in. this year. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think that Wayne Ellington is a guy that I'd keep an eye on. Um, mm-hmm. Go on him. I do. He, he, he was a great shooter. Um, you know, I really wish I really wish the Pacers would have got out and got Garrett Temple. That that would have been nice. I would. Um, I wonder what New York does. I wonder if they get rid of anybody. I know they traded Austin Rivers today. That's somebody that I could see on the buyout market. But at the same time, he's more of a guard. Yep. So if you're looking for true wings, I mean, that's a tough spot. Um, the Pacers clearly had interest in Lance Stevenson last year before the mm-hmm. pandemic, and I know a lot of people try to like blow it off, like oh, it wasn't a big deal. But I really think like. Kevin Pritchard seems super happy and excited when he talked about Lance on the podcast with us. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that there's still some mutual interest, even though Lance hasn't played in the NBA. It kind of goes back to my RHJ, uh, you know, point that he hasn't played this year. And if he could have been picked up, he would have been. But at this point, now you know about Warren's injury, him being out, you're thinking we probably should add some defensive wing of some sort because um, we can't rely on Justin and Malcolm to do it all. So, I think they really got to look long and hard at getting a defensive guy. And um, I'll keep, I'll keep my eyes open to see what, who's out there because um, more names will be popping up as, uh, as the week goes along. They will. I do think that there's going to be more buyouts within the next 24 hours or so. So it, it is going to get intriguing. I mean, I already heard, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge to the heat could have some legs. I do think that when Boston, you know, unloaded Daniel Tice, I do think that they're probably going to be in the market for a center, whether that is Andre Drummond or not. Um, they're also supposed to be in the Aldridge market. So I think that it's nice to know that, look, like a guy like that, like, we're not even in that that category right now. But the names that I mentioned, I think, I do think are realistic options. Otto Porter, I'm very curious to see kind of what his suitors are. I think the biggest knock on Otto Porter has been his contract. It's been that he was overpaid and that, I mean, it's a crazy deal. The Nets offered him a massive deal and the Wizards, they matched it. I thought it was pretty ridiculous at the time, but if the Pacers are going to be paying them, you know, basically the minimum, I think that's a great pickup at this point. Oh, I agree. I, they just got to make some move in my opinion. Um, they, they, they've got to add somebody. I, I think that they definitely will based on the Jalen LeCue release. Exactly. There's really no reason to not let him go. So honestly, 
I don't think they can put Warren on IR and open up a roster spot. So that's probably so, why they let like you go. That's just me like talking out loud. Like, I wonder if you could do that. Cause you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it would have been the perfect scenario, but you know, I think that's more of like a football thing where you could put a guy on the IR and open up a spot, but uh, and it would have been amazing if they had known earlier on, they could have gotten money back. I think that would have been truly awesome. But if the Pacers are going to literally take the hit on the Jalen LeCue contract, they know, hey, look, we want someone who's going to contribute now. And and obviously when they did that move earlier, you know, they knew TJ Warren was not coming back. It's not like they cut LeCue and then we're like, oh man, like TJ Warren's not coming back. Like they knew. So yeah. they're going to make a move and, and I'm excited for it no matter who it is, because whoever it's going to be, it's an NBA ready guy with plenty of experience. And it could only help this team when LeCue, come on, the guy was shooting 11% on the season. He made one shot this year. We're not, we're not losing anything there. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna keep my eyes on the um, on the Thunder to see what they do if they if they let anybody go. But yeah, it's just it's really hard to to figure out. New and this is a potential buyout candidate, Tony Snell. Okay, uh, I, I'm seeing this on on a fan sided website. Just so had a game winner recently. Yeah, for now. the Hawks. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what other guys are out there. Um, obviously, I just saw on one of the uh, hoops hypes websites that. Our guy Wayne Ellington is probably not going to be bought out, so so. so hopefully they change their mind, have a change of heart. But anyway, Fachi, I know you got to get out of here. We got big plans today, so um, hope you guys enjoyed our, our recap of the trade deadline. I'm going to be joined in the next segment with Derek Schultz, and we're going to talk a little bit about this Pacers team, and you know just look at the um, the future of the rest of the season without TJ Warren, obviously now, and uh, we'll look at the uh, upcoming schedule and what he thinks of this team so far. So anyway, Fachi, where can the people find us at on Twitter? So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F a C C I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. Absolutely. And just want to let everybody know that if you did order a new setting the pace shirt that we released, we put the order in already. So, um, those will be here April 6th, 8th. Fachi, what was the date? Uh, actually, I think it might have. Yeah, it was, it was right around April 6th, I believe. Yeah, I think it's a Monday. So um, April April 6th, the shirts will be in to Fachi's apartment, and uh, he's going to be shipping. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed those out so if you bought one be on the lookout for that so it'll be in a couple weeks maybe two and a half three weeks until we get them to you but we're really we're really excited about them they look really really fresh so um if we get some more people that are interested we could probably put another order place another order for more shirts 
but uh, just let us know and uh, we'll make sure that we share all of the shirts that people got on uh, social media so you can kind of see what they look like if you're unsure and uh, let you know what the reviews are. But anyway, Fachi, you got to get out of here. I've got I've to take a quick break and I'll be back with Derek Schultz after this. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, joining us now on Setting the Pace is Derek Schultz. Derek, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex, man. It's great to come back on the show again. Yeah, yeah, it's been way too long, actually. I should have had you on sooner, and I apologize for that. But uh, here we are now, pretty pretty big day in the NBA as the trade deadline has passed us, and the Pacers pretty much stayed pat. They let go of Jalen LeCue, and then we found out today, uh, around 9 o'clock, actually, that they picked up a, a O'Shea Brissett on a 10-day contract, someone that played for them in the G League, and actually looked pretty impressive. So, uh, you know, what were your thoughts overall on the Pacers kind of standing pat and making a minor move like this? You know, actually, my, my big takeaway from today wasn't necessarily that the Pacers didn't do anything. It's that Oladipo only warranted what he warranted from Miami and the Harden deal just overall ended up only warranted, warranting what it warranted for Houston. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just in general. So <laughs> I think it kind of put – not that it had a negative spin beforehand, but I think it put even a more positive spin on Kevin Pritchard's decision to get Levert out of that deal because seeing now, you know, how badly the Rockets, at least in my opinion, mishandled playing their hand, I was glad to see the Pacers, I feel like for the most part, maximize their hand. And, and let's face it, it was a pretty crappy hand, right? Because they didn't have a lot of leverage because yeah. people – People, I think, deep down knew that Ola, they weren't going to give him a max and Oladipo wasn't going to re-sign there. Um, and that's the same situation that happened here with Houston. They knew that he wasn't going to re-sign there and they had no leverage because the Knicks and the Heat have a bunch of cap space. So they got pennies on the dollar for him. So um, I actually kind of was was happy when I saw that news with Oladipo because I, I think it shed more positive light on the Pacers. I'm not surprised that they didn't make a move. Um, yeah. I saw the reports just like everybody else that – Hey, you know they're they're listening about Brogdon and they're listening about Sabonis. Yeah, I I knew nothing was really going to happen there. I, I I think the Pacers and I don't know this, um, but my gut feeling is that they want to give this group, especially now that Lavert is healthy and playing, they want to give this group uh, a chance to play all together. And I, I mean everybody, Warren too, and and run it back for next year. So I'd be really surprised if they make. Some I, I was going to be really surprised if they made a move today, but I'd even be surprised this offseason if they ended up making a move. I, I think they want to give themselves a chance to see what they have here with this core that they've um, they've gone to a lot of trouble assembling. Yeah, well, and I think that's that's probably the right mindset to have with how they view this team because to me personally, it's like yeah, that's kind of what I would what I would like to see them all together. We haven't got to see them all together. It's like as soon as Oladipo came back last year. 
you know, Warren got hurt, then the pandemic happened, and then Sabonis was out for the playoffs. So you just never got to see the team fully healthy. And then this year it's TJ Warren. So it just feels like injuries keep getting in the way of kind of seeing what this team's full potential is. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I wasn't expecting any kind of move today. Maybe maybe a minor move like involving Aaron Holiday, just because he's kind of fallen out of the rotation. And he might want to go somewhere where he could have a bigger opportunity than, you know, being the 11th, 12th man once uh, once this roster is fully healthy. But um, I guess, you know, talking about T.J. Warren, the big news that came out today, he's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, big loss for the Pacers. I, I think that he's been a huge part of why they've not had the same success as last year, just because of his ability to defend, play the small ball for when asked to and his ability just to create a shot when, you know, there's nothing, nothing the offense is kind of stagnant. So what are your overall thoughts on TJ Warren missing, missing out on the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm bummed about it just like anybody else. I, I would have liked to see him um, get a chance to work his way back. Even if it was, even if we're talking about like a, three weeks or a month, it was kind of sort of like what happened with Paul George all those years ago where he came back, I think it was for nine games after he snapped his leg in half in August um but at the same time this is a punch year you know the Pacers aren't going to say that but this was I think always going to be once the what happened with Warren happened and, and Oladipo wants out and uh you know you trade him and, and basically you're waiting for Levert so you, you have however long it was a month six weeks I don't even remember how long it was how many games 20 something games where mm-hmm. you, you didn't have Oladipo or Levert out there so given the circumstances, to me, this was always going to be kind of a punt year. And so if Warren wants to shut it down and they feel like that's the best thing, then go ahead and shut it down and get him fully 100% ready for next year. So I'm, I'm completely cool with that. It just sucks because obviously the bubble last year was a huge breakout for him. Yeah. And you wanted to see what that next chapter was going to be because – We've had that happen in the past with the Pacers where uh, you remember like 20-something years ago, Austin Crozier had um, – uh, Austin Crozier, sorry, had that uh, had that breakout um, in the NBA uh, playoffs and yeah. the series against the Knicks and the Eastern Conference Finals. And then obviously he parlayed that into a big contract <laughs> extension, which didn't end up working out too well, even though, you know, Austin's a great guy and then was yeah. with the team for a while as a media guy. Um but you wanted to see kind of what was going to happen next with Crozier and it, it didn't end up really coming together for him. You wanted to see what was going to happen next with Hibbert and ready if he was ready to take the next step after that unbelievable 2013 playoff run. And of course, Roy never was able to take that step. So, um, you know, I'm not saying hopefully that's not the same fate that awaits TJ Warren, but kind of like Crozier and, and, and Hibbert who had, um, you know, just these big breakouts I wanted to see how he was going to kind of build on that. No, and I, I agree with that because he had such an, an incredible bubble. And you saw, like, this guy, <laughs> this guy is special. And it was still crazy to so many people that the Suns pretty much gave him up for nothing. I mean, they literally uh, gave us a pick to take him off their hands and, and have that cap space. And they ended up signing Ricky Rubio with that cap space. And so it made it even funnier, but then they turned that into Chris Paul. And now they're second in the Western conference. So uh, I think the Suns are okay. And the Pacers, you know, they're dealing with what the Suns dealt with for most of Warren's career. And that's that injury uh, history that he has that just always followed him. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm worried about it for the future, but I would say that I'm a little bit, you know, just hesitant to, to count on him for a full season going forward just because that the injuries that he's had, I mean, it's just 
I, I just can't trust. I can't put my full uh, reliability in him playing and being available. So that's uh, that's interesting. And he's also in a contract year next year, which makes it very interesting for how they go about uh, looking at this roster. But, you know, I think it was you that tweeted this. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. Were you the one that said the Pacers are, are just kind of boring? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I did. Um, I I tried to put it delicately, but I've had, you know what, Alex, and you know this, um, they're a, the organization itself and the people in the organization are great. Yeah. They're great people. And I'm not just talking about the, the front facing people like Denari, of course, and, and JJ and, and Quinn and, you know, that whole crew. Yes. Great guys. But I'm also talking about like the behind the scenes, David Benner, um, Eddie White, Kevin Pritchard, um, you know, anyone that I've had any personal, Chrissy Myers, anyone that I've had any personal interaction with, with that organization has been wonderful. And so really, I, I, I do feel bad being overly critical of the Pacers because I, I know that they're trying really hard, you know what I mean, to put a good product on the floor. And, and you know, we talked about being dealt hands that the Pacers have gotten a lot of crappy cards over the last three or four years, and they've tried to you know, play the hands that they've been dealt. And I think for the most part, they've done a good job with that. But it, it it's just been hard for me to get into this year's team, even with the faces and names changing, because the results have just kind of remained around the same. And you can only get excited for that for so long when it's just the same sort of thing over and over and over again. And, you know, I'm, I'm still confident that this team, even without Warren, I'm still confident that this team is going to sneak into the playoffs and then probably get quickly punted. And <laughs> a lot of people are going to be upset about that, right? Because it's the same kind of continuing trend. And, and what are you really doing by getting punted in a first round series for whatever it is, the fourth or fifth year in a row. Um, but that's just kind of how they, they operate. And I just think that there is a lot of frustration with the Pacers fan base right now, just over what this mini era has been more so than this current team. Yes, there's, I think they're underachieving to an extent this year. I, I think there's frustration that's attached to that and, and Nate Bjorgren, and maybe we can get into some of that later on in our conversation here. But I, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Pacers fans are tired of just treading water. They want to see this yeah. team kind of take a step forward. And, and this team, obviously this year so far has been un, unable to do so. And people say, well, they've, they're, they've only got 60% of their starting lineup, or sometimes they have 40% of their starting lineup. Yeah, all of that is true. It, it just doesn't make it any less frustrating because they're just kind of stuck in this same cycle. No, and I and I actually 100% agree. It's it's it is frustrating, and I think it's hard for the Pacers organization to kind of. I know a lot of fans say, "Oh, we should tank," and and that's not really something that's ever going to happen. But as, as someone that's a podcaster, during these two four-game losing streaks. Uh, the fan base gets turned off really quickly. So I think if the team did go into full rebuild mode, um, just seeing how much the numbers dip during losing streaks, I think that the fan base like would not know how to handle themselves if we, if we did tank. And it, it's, it's frustrating because like you said, they have a lot of really good players. They've, they've got a lot of B level players, maybe even some C pluses, but they don't have an A level player. And that's what, that's what wins you championships. And that's what wins you playoff series. And they had that in Paul George before he requested a trade. And, you know, Victor Oladipo was close to an A, but I would say he was more towards a B-plus at his peak level here in Indiana. And it's just, you know, you got to build the right roster. And, and everything that you're saying, it makes a ton of sense. Like, 
that's why to me, like if they were going to make a move in the off season, I, I would look hard at, at what they can do to maybe package two of their B level players and see if they can get a player that's an A level player and try to just make this roster somewhat more interesting because quite frankly, um, the best case scenario, I guess, would be for this team to try to make the playoffs, somehow miss it, and then hit on a guy like they did in Paul George in 2010 because that's really like the only way they've really gotten players to stay here or, or players that are at that level of tier is through the draft. And trade-wise, you know, they, they do okay on the trades, but they're not super, super aggressive and willing to give up big assets. They don't trade picks like they should, in my opinion. Um, they don't value their picks as much as they probably should. But, I, I mean, if they're really wanting to go out there and really be super competitive, I'd like to see them, you know, tr- look at trading one of the centers and maybe look at trading one of Lavert Warner, Brogdon, and attach a pick or two and see if you can get a legit A-level player. And I think that would actually um, – be something that'd be more interesting for the fan base, but uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on all that. Yeah, I, no, I, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, obviously, all of it depends on what you're going to get. You know, it's it's easy for us, and we've been doing this for years. It's easy for us to say, well, you got to trade Turner, you got to trade Sabonis. Well, yeah, what what are you getting? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're getting if if you're getting Gordon Hayward back, then uh, you know some people are going to like that. Some people aren't going to like that. You know, it, it depends on on where you are and. That's kind of the, the, the problem with the Pacers is that people say tank, tank, tank. They're not in a position to tank. Um, they were in a position to tank five years ago when they had Paul George and C.J. Miles on a contract year and, you know, Monte Ellis and a team that had nothing. Like, that was an opportunity for them to tank. And instead, they flipped George, obviously, into Sabonis and Oladipo, and um, they, they got right back into the playoffs. So um, this isn't – they've already put all of this legwork into putting this core together – and have these guys lined up. I, I just don't think that they're really in a position to tank. Now, in the scope of this year, yeah, I gun to my head, obviously it's more beneficial to just get a single digit draft pick and even take your chances in the lottery. Like let's say, you know, it strikes like it did for the Bulls with Derrick Rose when they had whatever they have, like a two percent chance. You never know, right? Um yeah. though we all know about the conspiracies <laughs> and things like that that's attached <laughs> to the NBA draft lottery process. But I, I think that would be – I totally agree that falling short of the playoffs would be the best thing because I, I just don't think that the playoffs does anything for this group. A lot of these guys have already been in the playoffs, so it's not like it's a particularly young or inexperienced group when it comes to that. Um, and then this offseason, I, I think you just you just approach it like, okay, we're listening. And if you hear something that knocks your socks off, then go ahead and take it. And if you don't, then – and you feel good about rolling it back with this core – I'm. I'm cool with that. I, I'm not one of those people. I'm I'm impatient, so I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Like I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm impatient, just like everybody else. But I don't want the Pacers to force it, and I don't think that yeah. they will. Um, and I think that that's the right thing for them to to end up doing. But this offseason, if somebody wants to talk about Sabonis, I'm taking that call. If somebody wants to talk about Turnoff, take that call. Brogdon, there's nobody on this roster that I wouldn't take a call for. And I, I think yeah. that that's – and that's not to say that I'm unhappy with any of those guys. It's just to say that all those guys are expendable if it means that you feel like you can really, really improve and, and finally shatter this glass ceiling for this franchise. Yeah, nobody on this roster should be untouchable, in my opinion. They're, they're all good players. You know what I mean? Like the guys that people are going to want – but but the problem is you don't trade Sabonis for, you know, a, another B level player and a C level player. You don't you don't just trade him to to get equal value. You try to trade him and maybe package something to get something better. Because 
I've seen a lot of like when all the Brogdon and Sabonis stuff came out, like I was just laughing at what some of these people that don't watch the paces were trying to throw like as a trade package to, to get one of these guys off here. It's like, you know, do you really think, I think the one that cracked me up the most was I got a, I got a, a rumor from uh, somebody that covers the Mavericks saying like Chris stops Porzingis and Jalen Brunson for Brogdon and Sabonis. I'm like, why would we want that? That's terrible. Like uh, nobody wants Chris stops uh, contract right now. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting though, just to kind of figure out what this team's going to do. But you talked about Nate Bjorkman, and, and it's funny because you've already seen the fire Nate hashtag kind of retrend a little bit this season after McMillan was uh, very much the leader of that last year during the playoffs. When it comes to Bjorkman, what do you what are your thoughts on his overall system and um, what he's done so far this season? You know, I, I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. Because I think personnel-wise, he, he hasn't had uh, a full arsenal to work with for, you know, 90% of this year. There have been talks about, oh, the players are unhappy about this, the players are unhappy about that. Look, I I think guys are going to get unhappy when you're – what are the Pacers now, 19 and 23? Yeah. I think guys are going to get unhappy. If they're not unhappy, then something's wrong. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want everybody to be real happy. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting mine, so who cares? Um, I, I get that there's going to be discontent that kind of comes with that. Um, but the bottom line is, is that I can't get mad at the Pacers for taking a risk with a guy who has a higher ceiling than most of the guys, uh, particularly the previous coach that they had because that's kind of what we all wanted. You know, Nate McMillan, no one is disputing that, well, there are some on Twitter, and you probably know them, Alex, but most sane people know Nate McMillan is a perfectly fine NBA coach. Yeah. He's been a perfectly fine NBA coach for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. And the track record speaks for itself. You know, it's usually his teams uh, win more games than they lose. Usually his teams make the playoffs. The problem is, is that everything that happens after that in the postseason, they, they never seem to actually overachieve. A lot of them just achieve, which is fine. It's better than underachieving. But at the same time, I, I always felt like Nate had a really clearly defined ceiling. And the other thing is that we all knew about his offensive limitations and Maybe the Pacers aired. I, I don't know what the dynamic is there where he had Dan Burke as the defensive coordinator. Maybe the Pacers aired by not giving him an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I always felt like as, as much as I love Dan Burke, um, I always felt like that was a little bit repetitive to have basically two guys that were running the defense. And it's kind of like, here's the offense that's just kind of rotting on the vine over here. But I don't <laughs> yeah. want to make it all about McMillan because, you know, we have to focus on the, the new guy. And um, I was willing to just kind of, give this year a sort of incomplete grade because I just don't think that you can really hold his feet to the fire for not having the full level of personnel um, that he could have and, and the midseason trade, which ended up shaking everything up and all of that. So uh, this kind of goes back to what we, we were just talking about, what the Pacers and do this offseason and how they approach this offseason and what the roster is going to look like next year. And if it's the same roster – then you kind of see what you have. And if it's different, then, you know, maybe you're more open to making a change in the short term, not obviously this summer, but maybe at the end of next year, if he's still underperforming. But I think this is just a, an example of the Pacers sticking their neck out. So I'm not going to sit here and get all angry about the fact that I, I feel like this group is underachieving um, because this is what I wanted. This is what I thought the Pacers needed to do. They needed to stick their neck out and roll the dice and take a risk on getting the next 
Nick Nurse or, you know, finding that diamond in the rough coach instead of just bringing in some retread. Yeah. And that's what they did. And sometimes that doesn't work. You know, sometimes uh, it, it blows up in your face. Um, and maybe the Bjorgren hire ends up blowing up in their face, but it'd be hypocritical of me to really come after them for it because I, I felt like the change was needed to uh, to move on from Nate McMillan for them to, to kind of roll the dice there. Yeah, and I think with McMillan, like, I think he definitely – had this current roster that he had last year. I mean, they've reached their ceiling, in my opinion, under him, uh, especially regular season-wise. Like, they were unbelievable in the regular season with him. And then in the playoffs, you, you clearly saw the limitations and his inability to adjust during games. Just like Miami knew everything we were running. They knew what we were going to do. And, and it was time. The players were frustrated. I mean, some players have, you know, basically kind of said it in, in, in talks that, you know, they were kind of, wanting him out some of them were unsure if they'd come back if uh if he was still the coach so yeah I think I think Kevin Pritchard had to make a move from I think it came from the top down to be honest with you I think you know with the players being so upset and, and the, probably the owner getting upset they got swept again with McMillan like hey we got to move on we got to find something different but to me like when I saw this season and I saw that we tried to trade Turner and we didn't and then I knew the whole victor thing was going to be something that was looming over our head for a while I just thought this season, like you said, should be kind of graded as incomplete. I, I was not putting too much stock into this season as far as like over uh, uh, or I guess you could say analyzing and, and critically going at Bjorken because quite frankly, number one, this roster is not built to how he wants to play. That's just the bottom line. And, and if they want to play his style, they're going to have to get the right personnel in here to play that style. And some of the guys that are really good on offense struggle a lot on defense in his system. So that to me is why I think there's got to be changes on the roster. It doesn't necessarily have to be the top three or four guys, but some of those like guys coming off the bench, because I feel like a lot of our bench players are very limited in what they can do and they need more two-way players. I think that's why the rumor about Norman Powell to the Pacers for next season made some sense to me because he's a guy that can do it on both ends of the court. So for me, like with with Bjorkren, I I'm just kind of holding back a little bit with how I how I analyze him and uh, criticize him because, quite frankly, until he gets that right personnel, I don't think that it's really fair to say, well, he can't do this. He, I mean, he's going to have to make adjustments to his personnel um, or his his system if they don't change the personnel. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, and um, and just like everybody else, you know, it, it has been frustrating to you would love for them to have been able to add uh, one of these young players into the mix to be like a key rotational piece. And, and that just, it hasn't really seemed to work out. I mean, we all know what happened with TJ Leaf and, you know, they're still, still young with Goga. Um, Aaron Holiday to me has been the really frustrating thing um, where, uh, you know, the Pacers, say all the right things about how, oh, we really, you know, we really like this guy and they're, you know, apparently hanging up the phone when they get trade requests and then he's just kind of sitting there and it's like, well, you know, if you're not going to use them, then move on. You know what I mean? And, yep. and um, you know, and, that, and that's another thing that that's the other elephant in the room here is that when we talk about the Pacers getting a draft pick and getting in the lottery, um, I think Kevin Pritchard has done a nice job uh, when it comes to trades and, and getting maximizing value in trades, especially when really he's been basically been stuck up. Um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a robbery type situation uh, where the, the Pacers have had very little leverage, obviously in the Paul George deal. And then again, in the Oladipo deal a couple of years later, um, but drafting wise has really left a lot to be desired. Yes. They've, they've drafted late, but man, 
Um, they just have, have barely gotten any value um, in, in their drafting the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their, their drafting has been awful. I mean, if you go back to the TJ Leaf draft, they could have had just – I mean, if they would have just drafted OG and Anobi, and then the next year when they drafted – I believe it was Gogo the next year. I can't remember. Maybe it was Aaron Holiday. Um, the year after that when they drafted Gogo, they could have had like Brandon Clark out of yeah. Gonzaga. Like just imagine if they had OG and Anobi and Brandon Clark on this roster compared to uh, Goga and TJ Leaf. Like, I, I think that the fit makes so much more sense and, and they're probably able to play the style that Bjorken wants them to play. So I think quite frankly, I, I, their scout, their head of scout, I think it's, is it Ryan Carr that's been there for years? Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to like force a guy out or anything like that, but like they got to do a better job of evaluating players. Like uh, too many times I hear all this, like, well, he's a good guy. They really like his character. That's why they like him so much. Like, we got to get past that. We, we got to look at talent. And <laughs> to me, it's just like, if you're not going to draft the best talent, then you're not trying to maximize this talent uh, or maximize the ceiling on this on this roster. Because it's just, to me, it's frustrating as a fan to sit there and watch guys that constantly get drafted after them and, and people the fan base are screaming for, and then them go on to have really good young careers while we're, barely able to play Goga nine minutes a game and Aaron holidays out of the rotation. And then you traded TJ leaf with a second round pick just to get a guy and wave him. So it's like, you gotta do, you gotta do better with your first round picks. Yeah. I mean, Clark and, and, and Anobi and, you know, the wild card with Ananobi is that everybody had heard of him because he was an IU guy. Right. Uh, but those are two guys. That's that's not even a hindsight thing. I mean, those two guys, people wanted those guys. Um, you know, I had a, a buddy of mine, huge Pacers fan that, was just all about John Collins. He was yeah. like, you got you have to get him. Like, he's going to be great. And I'm like, the, you know, the Wake Forest, dude? You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. whatever you say, man. It's You think the Pacers could use John Collins right now, you know? Um, so, and and I think he went, if I'm not mistaken, he went to pick right after Leaf. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough when you, when you have that. And um, it, even when you're not talking about top five picks here, you still want to get – something you want you want to get a rotational player uh, a starter on the high end and, and the Pacers can't even get that you know they, they can't even they, they haven't even really gotten the, the lowest expectation out of their first round picks yeah so looking today at the trade deadline uh, we saw Vucevic get traded for two first round picks and a and a young player in Little Carter Jr. and like Sabonis is very close to that do you think that if the Pacers were to maybe decide to move on from him instead of Turner, that that is the kind of package that you would anticipate them getting back? Or do you think it'd be less? Uh, I think it'd probably be a, it, it, it wouldn't be too far off from there. Um, but I, I actually think that I think Turner has more value. I, cause I, I, cause I think Turner fits better in more places than Sabonis fits. Yep. Um, Sabonis is a, a, a gifted player, but I think you really have to find the right fit for him. And I, th I think even with the Pacers in this current style, I'm not entirely sure uh, given where he is defensively that it, that it's the greatest fit for him. But I, I think Turner, I mean, if you airdrop Turner onto uh, a half a dozen different NBA teams right now, he, he makes them, he, he fits right away and, and makes them really good. And so I'm not surprised that even if, you know, we can sit here all we want and argue who's who's better, Sabonis or Turner. You know, may, maybe Sabonis just as an individual has an edge, but I think Turner actually has more trade value. Um, and and I, I wonder if the Pacers are going to approach it that way um, in the mm -hmm. offseason, if they feel like they have to split that duel up 
do they deal, you know, the one that can get them more um, as opposed to uh, e even if, you know, you're losing it on that, that other end defensively um, as opposed to dealing Sabonis. But yeah, I saw that today and, and it raised my eyebrows a little bit uh, again, especially considering what Oladipo and, and the rest of the trade deadline kind of day looked like today. That was yeah. seemingly the big splash move. Um, but, you know, the, the Pacers are in a good spot because they, they do have guys who I think other teams like. I, I think we all know that they're not necessarily franchise-level guys, but good, solid B, B-plus players on team-friendly contracts. Mm -hmm. So um, those guys, I, I think, would be coveted on, on the open market. Yeah, so as we wrap this up, I know we kind of talked about it at the beginning basically your thoughts are this team will probably get into the playoffs, but be a first round exit. Once again, uh, not like giving a lot of hope for fans to keep watching this season in a sense. But um, if you were going to like point out some like things that you think fans should be excited to see this up, upcoming remainder of the season, what do you think, or what are some of those thoughts that you think would be worth keeping an eye on? I love Levert. I, I loved him when he was at Michigan mm -hmm. and um and I, I really think that he was in a situation where uh, he was just – this is going to sound really cheesy, um, but, you know, for, for a flower to fully bloom, it needs to be in sunlight, right? And it just felt like in Brooklyn he was in the shadows all the time because either their team situation was a disaster or when it suddenly became undisastery – he was blocked because they had all this other talent that was in front of him. And, and he just was never able to, I feel like to kind of fully, and, and of course the injury um, was never a, able to really kind of fully blossom there. So, you know, that's the number one thing. That's the reason for me to tune in is uh, and when hopefully Sinclair gets their, you know, what together and, and I can actually, you know, like watch one of these games and not have to search through like Reddit streams and things like that. Is that what you're doing? Uh, I, you know what, man? It's it's sad. For a while, at the beginning of the season, I was listening to uh, to the radio broadcast, oh. um, and then you know I got I got kind of frustrated because Mark Boyle is amazing and, and a legendary voice, but it's just it's really hard to you have to see it. Uh, yeah. I feel like at least that's that's how I am. You know, it's not like baseball. Um, baseball on the radio, you can kind of get away with that. Um, basketball. Uh, if you're in a pinch, I think the radio is fine. But I think for the most part, you have to see it. I know a lot of people sync their TVs to Mark's call, um, which is probably maybe the best of both worlds, even though, I, you know, obviously I love Kristen Ari too. Um, it's tough. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. And so I started doing that. And then, you know, for a while, I was like the IP Vanish guy. And I used to do the Reddit streams and the, um, you know, uh, jailbroken Amazon Fire Sticks sometimes when I – when I couldn't get Pacer games. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Um, got YouTube TV. And then I had that for the last couple of years and, and never had a problem with it in, until now. Yeah. Um, and so I jumped back into that again. And then I was like, hey, you know what? I just, uh, maybe maybe this link works. Maybe it doesn't. A lot of times they drop off right away. And I, I just feel kind of sketchy doing it. So um, <laughs> I've, I've at times, uh, you know, when a Pacers game is close, sometimes I'll just go onto NBA Game Tracker <laughs> and just watch it like that and see, okay, you know, uh, Domas Sabonis misses, you know, eight-foot shot or whatever else. And it's like it, it's barely telling me what's going on. So, you know, guys like you and and uh, and Tony and Scott and everybody that covers the team are, are far more, I feel like, tapped it. Like, I feel like I know less about this year's Pacers than any other Pacers team in my life. 
Um, but I, it's not from lack of trying. Like I, I really am trying to follow them. It's just become um, difficult for me. But um, long-winded answer to your question. I, I think Levert is the reason to tune in every night and and see um, see see what he's going to bring to the table. Because I'm I'm very optimistic. Like I don't think he's going to be a frontline star, but I don't think that there's any reason why he can't approach where Oladipo was before the quad injury and, and get right up near that sort of territory where he's a fringe all NBA guy, top 25, 30 type player. Like that's, that's yeah. how much I believe in him. Well, that's, that's, that's really exciting. Cause I, I like him a lot and I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see how he performs. And I think over the last couple of weeks, you, you know, you're starting to see him get back to who he was when he was in Brooklyn at his best. So I think that he's got a great work ethic, and I think it, the 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 team really seems to be clicking with him already. They really seem to like him. Seems like a really good locker room guy. And uh, from the reports I heard, like obviously Brogdon and Vic did not get along very well. Uh, Brogdon was not a big fan of Vic, and I think that he is very much welcoming of Lavert and his personality. So that that is exciting, but. Um, yeah, as far as watching games, uh, after we get off here, maybe I can help you out a little bit. But, um, but yeah, man, so uh, as we go forward, I, I'm just hoping this team, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. It's like, do I want them to make the playoffs or do I want them to miss? Because if they miss, they're in the lottery, and it's not like they're going to try to miss, but at the same time, there's there's pros and cons to everything. I just think sometimes, you know, Kevin Pritchard said it. Uh, he felt like they were going to catch some kind of break when they took on the Levert situation because of them catching that cancer. And um, obviously they didn't catch one with, uh, with Warren, but, but maybe they could catch one and get a, and get into the lottery and get a guy that can maybe come in here and change things. But uh, overall, man, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people find you at and what kind of work do you have coming out? Yeah. Uh, at Schultz975 on Twitter. Also, you can check out, um, I guess the main, show at least used to be the main show the radio show which is now a tv show but also in podcast form coreyandschultz.com we've got all the info on there well we usually do it on tuesday nights is when we debut it but um we have our youtube channel that basically is just a show archive that we post the shows a couple of days later because we we try to feed everybody towards iscsportsnetwork.com which is mm -hmm. um where it's housed and we really appreciate them kind of taking us on once the non-compete ended uh mm -hmm. but also i contribute um, fairly frequently for Indie Monthly, and that's not just Pacers stuff. In fact, I don't think I've written about the Pacers so far, but I, I've always, um, I've always really liked to write. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm Greg Doyle or anything, um, but I, I do like to do that every once in a while. They, they told me in September, they're like, "Hey, you want to do this?" I'm like, "Sure." I'm like, "Well, just write whenever you feel like." I'm like, "Perfect, <laughs> I yeah. can do that." Uh, so I, I just write whenever I feel like for Indie Monthly, so you can um, occasionally see me on there. And then uh, speaking of Doyle, uh, he and I do a podcast together for the Indie Star every single week. We usually debut those episodes um, also on Tuesday. Um, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff, you can find it on there as well. So um, I'm active, uh, you know, trying to maintain whatever fading relevance I still have in this great city of ours. Stop it. You're not fading. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're staying right there just like the Pacers. But uh, uh, last bonus question. I know you and Doyle kind of talked about it, but – I use head coach. Who do you think is going to be? Oh God, man! You know, <laughs> so many people, and, and you know, everybody asks everybody, right? Hey, who do you think it is? I, I wish I had an answer for you. I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, I do think, and I've gotten the inkling, and this has been—they've been really tight-lipped. Like there have barely been any sort of leaks or anything. I mean, at least anything legitimate. 
um, I've had the inkling for a while that they were going to hire somebody that at least had some sort of tie to the program. Now that doesn't right. necessarily mean Calvert Chaney, their all-time leading scorer, but um, you know, even Chris Beard, who is linked tonight, who obviously is linked to Indiana, would qualify, or you know, Brad Stevens, who they looks like swung and missed on. Um, I really don't know. I, I just hope that um, I hope they get this going again. Um, my 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 fanship has really waned. I'm an IU alum, and I grew up a rabid IU basketball fan. My parents were both alums, even though I did I grew up in Connecticut and not here. Um, and I was there, their, their last really relevant NCAA tournament run, which was 2002 was my freshman year. Um, I, I'm just tired of this. I'm, I'm tired that the fans deserve, say what you want about Indiana fans. You know, they, some of them can be, um, pretty obnoxious. In, to insufferable. Say yeah. Insufferable is actually a really great word, um, uh, for, for Indiana's fan base, but <laughs> it really is. It's a dedicated and loyal group and they deserve better than the garbage basketball that they've mostly gotten over the last 15 years or so. So I do hope they, um, I hope they figure it out because God, if it, if they wait any longer to turn it around, then, you know, f forget being Kansas or Kentucky. I mean, you know, eventually Indiana might not ever be Wisconsin basketball again. You know, that's, that's kind of oh. how far that they've fallen here. Yeah, no, I, I honestly quit watching about halfway through the season. I said, I can't watch a game till Archie's gone. Uh, these guys obviously do not, to me, they did not look like they wanted to play for him. It, it felt like the team quit on him. And I'm just like, you know, this guy's only been here a couple of years. Like, I just I was not buying the Archie hype, but uh, wasn't really a big fan of the hire either. So it was one of those things where I'm like, that's the guy we're going with. All right. Um, nothing against him. I just wasn't a super big fan. And I honestly probably liked Crean a little bit more than I liked Archie. So that's uh, that's saying something. But here we are. We're in a, we're just waiting patiently. And uh, I'll be interested to see what they do. And I hopefully hopefully it's a it's someone that does actually have connections with IU. But anyway, I, I'm sure. Pacer fans are tuning out by now because not everybody on this listening is, a, is an IU fan. So anyway, guys, thanks so much for uh, checking out the show. If you haven't already, follow us at Setting the Pace 3 and uh, follow me at Alex Golden NBA, and we will talk to you all next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.